Marketing. Welcome to the Winners Find a Way show and podcast with your host, Trent M. Clark, three-time World Series coach, CEO of Leadershipity, serial entrepreneur, having started 12 companies, coach to the 1%, and an international speaker. This show is going to be your go-to podcast for facing adversity, being inspired, and overcoming obstacles, all from the best in the world, business, sports, and leadership. Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. Hello, it's Trent Clark, CEO of Leadership Entrepreneur, International Speaker, Longtime coach and professional baseball coaching in three World Series, and welcome to the Winners Find a Way show. I am with my guest Tanya Lanthier. Hey, Tanya. Hi there, Trent. Glad to be here. Oh, it's so good to have you here. I'm super excited about this hour together. And Tanya and I go back a little ways. We are both uh, entrepreneur organization members. I'm sporting my shirt today. I didn't see that. Just in your honor, right? <laughs> and uh, so, so excited to have you. Tanya is Atlanta based. And uh, we're going to welcome her in in just a second. Tanya, real quick before we start, where can they find you? At dentalpost.net, also T. Lanthier at Instagram, and I'm Tanya Lanthier on Facebook. That's awesome. So perfect. For those joining us, welcome to the show. If you're the first time being on the Winners on Away show, this show is all about the big question of solution. Have you ever faced stiff adversity, felt like the losses are mounting, you need to find a better way? I think you came to the right place. I interview one percenters and whether you are already an entrepreneur an athlete business owner and leader or just looking to start your journey to being elite i think this is where you start because the challenges along the way will be addressed with the challenges along the way for tanya as she went to the one percent so let's get to know tanya here a little bit tanya georgia girl you know born you're up on the north side of atlanta went to gainesville cc to do your hygienist work, right? Became a hygienist and said, hey, this is what I'm going to do. You uh, thought this was an area that you wanted. And what I love about you, if you run like a couple of multi-million dollar brands now and you have an associate's degree and a lot of additional learning after that, but no bachelor's. Is that right? That's correct. correct. That's awesome. I love that. Thank yeah. you. So school's not everything, people. And, I, and we all know like the richest people in the world didn't finish their four-year degree, right? So... I love that. Talk to me a little bit. I mean, you've been in the dental hygienist space. You've, you have a passion for matching people up, creating jobs. You know, you, you said very at an age coming out of school, you thought like owning a staffing company would be a really cool idea. Talk to me a little bit about how that entered your mind and how Dental Post became what it is. I'm going to kind of step back a little bit here. Sure, Just let's do that. So you understand why I'm in dentistry. Dentistry picked me. Yes. When I was eight years old, I was on bike. I was, the chain came off the bike, so I had no brakes. And I was going down the steep hill and hit a, there was no, it was a, there was a dead end and I had to hit something to stop. And it was yes. a car. Knocked out my tooth, a number eight, and that began my career in dentistry. So I always like to tell people why yes. I ended up in dentistry. And the people were so good to me. Yes took care of me when I was a little girl and I was scared that I decided to go into dentistry. Yes. So that's kind of how my career started. But going back to what you just said, you know, I, I don't know. I've always just loved people. And, you know, it's, I 
had this notion when I got out, I was like, I'm going to start a, a staffing company because when I got out my first job, I went through a staffing service and then they moved me around a little bit and I started to realize, oh, they're tainting me. It was, well, I use that word tainting me because what happens is they would put me in an office and then that office couldn't hire me for, I'd have to not work there six months without them paying a huge fee of 18%. Oh, right. Then they, they stopped using you and they just, they would move girls yeah. through and I'm like, I can do this better. And this is ridiculous. The amount of money they were charging. So I made my cards up. I went and put my picture on it. And in 1995, I went just door to door to door to door to offices. And I said, Hey, I'm temp. You need a temp to perm is what I was doing. I wanted to find a place that I fit in. And so I ended up temping a lot and I took a job two days a week. And then the rest of the time I temped, but I worked seven days a week when I first got out of school because I was determined to get ahead and I wanted to buy a house. And so I worked seven days a week when I got out. I love that hard work. You've been, uh, first of all, I love your story and uh, the impact of that moment, right? Like people in careers have no idea how many impacts they have along the way. I know a lot of people, I've talked to veterinarians and they had a, a moment you know, with an animal at a young age and like went like, whoa, I want to do that. Like they just took care of my pet and I want to take care of somebody else that way because they made me feel something, right? Like they made me feel important. They made me feel valued. They say, you know, whatever it is. And I, I love that story. You know, and, I, and by the way, you just dated yourself with that. I'm working hard in 1995. She did say 1995, right? Because like everyone's looking at you, Don, you're going, what is she, 31? Like, you know, like, <laughs> it's awesome, right? Because you are a healthy person. You work very hard at your health. You know, That's I've always important. had the mindset of performing at an Olympic level type. And I had great coaches, like my coaches, my basketball coaches, my you know, my college coach and then my track coaches were just, just surrounded me. But I was, I, I was a good athlete. So. Did you play? Did you play a sport at Gainesville? Well, I played intramurals at Gainesville. I went to Trip McConnell first, actually, okay. and, and played basketball there. And then my scholarship ended and then I transferred to Gainesville College. Okay. So it was a small, small, tiny college in the North Georgia Mountains where I went and played basketball. Okay. Um, the North Virginia Mountains? North Georgia. North Georgia mountains. Okay, cool. People forget about that, all those mountains in Georgia, right? Okay, so let's talk a little bit about you know, long-time history in the dental, of course, but you've also had some history in real estate. You did that, flipped houses for a while. I mean, always been a hard worker. Where do you think that came from? You know, I was raised by my grandparents pretty much on both sides. My mom's side were farmers. They had cows, pigs, horses. I pretty much ran barefooted in the pasture and I watched them get up early in the morning, go take care of the animals. And then they would go to their factory jobs, you know, and they worked at the same job for 60 years. I, my grandmother would get up, go feed the animals. And then she'd come back and she would cook a full breakfast, a full on breakfast of biscuit, gravy, you know, bacon, hot cheese Hard and, stoppers. and blackberry jam. Yeah. So I saw my grandparents love each other and take care of us and be responsible and have fun. And that's kind of where I, I fall with my core values with family and just being productive. I think I get value from that in my life yeah. or my worth is adding yeah. value to others. And I don't feel like I'm working most of the time. I feel happy, you know? Yes. I love that. You know, I think that first of all, you mentioned a couple of big ones, right? A couple of big itties right there, like responsibility, like that was such a generation of taking responsibility. And then probably the ultimate itty, I think that most businesses are going for, which is 
productivity, whatever that looks like. And that looks like different for everybody, right? Yeah. We want it. I mean, and if a business doesn't have it, it's like, hey, what are we doing out here? Right? Yeah. So, I mean, you talked about the eight-year-old story. Was there a time, like, was there an impactful other moment as a kid where you're like, I'm going to own my business. I'm going to have a multi-million dollar firm. I'm going to be able to sell a business for millions. I mean, did you think like, hey, this is what I'm going to want to do and be? I don't know. I mean, my sister and I were always playing. We'd always cut up, you know, paper, make money, and then we'd play store. And I had I had a dollhouse that was a, a nice size dollhouse I could, I could walk into that my grandfather built for me. And we would play store there and play like, we would create things, you know, how you were magitan, yeah. you know, when you're a child. I think what really struck me was my mom's OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder. And yep. she um, would wash a lot of things and she would throw a lot of things away and she was very wasteful. And I think that as a kid, because that, that impacted me because she was very wasteful and she was trapped in her head. Mm -hmm. And when you're in your own prison, I never wanted to be that way. I never wanted to be able not to do something. And I think I looked at life in a different way where I, I, I looked at people. It made me look at people different. It made me look at people's why they are the way they are Yes. and have compassion for people. And I, I went into dentistry. I went into being a healthcare worker and I was an entrepreneur building dental posts at the same time I practiced 27 years and built my company at the same time. But you practiced your hygienist work for 27 years? Yeah. I did not know that. That's wild. Yeah. All right. So, I mean, this is, let's stay with your mom for a second because, you know, we all have things, right? And mm -hmm. I got to think that that, you know, I grew up in the Midwest. So a lot of farming, the original entrepreneurs, by the way, right? Like they, they ran a business bartered product. Yeah. I mean, this was entrepreneurial and we know farmers, everything has value. Nothing is wasteful. Right. Like, you know, hey, that's a blade of grass. We could, you know, burn that, start a fire. You know, anything is like so much <laughs> value. Right. So, Let me tell you. so talk to me about how challenging that was as a, as a child for you with the disconnect of like the grandparents who are probably so resourceful, hardworking, and they're watching their daughter or daughter-in-law just throw things away and like, like going, no, what, what are you doing? Like, that's crazy. There's, there's so much value. You know, no, like, stop that. Like, tell me how that impacted you. It's OCD is somewhat can be a, it's a mental illness. And it impacted me because I mean, the stories are so deep. I mean, she would, my mom would take us to like a laundromat and she would wash clothes and then put the clothes in another machine because that was contaminated. You know, I was a very clean child and I became a hygienist. So some good things came out of it. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying you're so clean. Like this is like, there's nothing, there's not a speck of dirt in that, you know, land to your house. Right. And the thing is, even we go to a store and if we walked behind a car that was from where my dad was from, because my dad was the germ. And so if we walked behind the car where our shoes had, you know, walked where the tires had driven and we went into the store, but we had to come, if we came out of the store and saw the car, then that's when she would throw our shoes away and we'd go take a bath. And she'd bathe us sometimes in her head if we were contaminated, you know, two, three, four, five times. And I always looked at mom and I was just like, oh, how do I, how do we get around this? And Kim and I learned to work together. We were 15 months apart, my sister and I, and because mom suffered, we suffered. But what you do is you try to avoid pain, you know, and every, that's what we do. And my sister and I would start a fight 
so that she wouldn't see things. And we learned to work together as a team and we became really close mm. to distract mom. And it gave me a gift not to manipulate, but it gave me a gift to see and to move people to the right place as even as a hygienist, because I knew what people's fears were as a hygienist when they would come in, I knew what their motivators were. And it helped me to bring them to a place to get their work done, to take care of their disease. And their motivators were usually vanity or money or health. Sure. And had to know what they were and how to talk to that type of person. It gave me a gift to see, okay, is this person a detailed person or is this person a quick information person? Mm. And what I did was I learned to use those gifts to be a really good hygienist. And it made me look at the patient a little deeper and what was wrong with them. So yeah. I could bring them to the a solution for them to take care of them. Well, I think everyone has some challenges, right? Like I, I don't think anyone's immune. You know, we have great gifts. And we also have challenges that are put in life, probably, probably to develop us, right? To develop other senses. And, okay. and one of the things that, you know, you've full, taken fully advantage of that, but like, when people think like multimillionaire business owner, yada, yada, the, the success that you've had, Tanya, they don't think ADD, dyslexia learner, like they're thinking like, oh man, she's probably like school was so easy. And this was like, and you're like, that's I, not, that's not book learning. Wasn't your favorite go-to. Is that fair? No, it wasn't. I mean, I love, I didn't love books until I got older. And, yeah. uh, and then I, I immersed myself in it once I could focus. Audible. I think, and you can focus a little bit better. Yeah. Right. I, I yeah. think with your, with having like a dyslexic type characteristics, what happens is you, your, your brain develops even yeah. further after, you know, we're not, our brain's not developed till we're 25. And after I hit college, it was just like everything sucked in and I would just learn everything. At that young age, I, you know, I was having a little bit of a hard time with mom and dad. My grandparents were there and that put a, put a strain on me. You know, I don't, I don't know if you want to get into this, but you know, like mom left me when I was 12. Okay. But I had the grandparents foundation there. Are you the older sister? I'm the older sister. So, so Kim's 10. Kim's 10 or 11. Kim was 11 and we we're 15, 11. And then I, my grandfather had a heart attack when I was 12 and I, no, 15. And I was an all-star. So he couldn't take me to basketball practice, couldn't take me to track. And so my dad took me on and my mom kept me from my dad from age two to 12. So then here I go off to my dad. like almost a stranger, right? Like this isn't like a guy you know well. It was, dad had been a bachelor. You gotta understand, he'd been a bachelor. Here comes this little snotty or 15 year old that knows everything, has had a great, had had great grandparents that were, my grandparents were there for me and they were always cooking for me. And she was making my, my grandmother was making my clothes and put me yeah. in these silly things. And I go down to his home and he's making me wash clothes and paint houses and cut grass, bush hog the front yard. and. <laughs> you know, chase the oil in my car. He taught me a lot. Really, you're like indoctrination to independence. Yes. yes. I mean, and by the way, just totally indoctrinated. Like I was, I don't know how ready you were for it all, but yet you figured it out, right? Yep. And yep. so, I mean, pretty cool story. This is one of the things I really want to stop here is like you talk about our different styles of learning. Like what Tanya's done is she's taken these experiences and she, she's learned all these things so well and yet you know like i get it that a lot of people don't love school 
but learning is a lot of different ways. You, you went to the School of Business in London. You went to MIT to get upper level degrees of entrepreneurship okay. and different things for business. And that was, that was really important to you. Yet you're not sitting there with a, you know, a doctorate in chemistry or a doctorate in dentistry or something like that. Like, hey, I've already had 12, 13 years of book learning and now I want to do more. This is very specific to what you have to learn for success with your organization. Is that? I had to learn to grow my company. I, I on my other, my dad's side of the family were all entrepreneurs. Everybody had fam like the hair shop or the machine shop and then a, a plumbing business, a heating and air business. They bought rental properties. I saw community created. My grandfather was fire chief for 40 years in Winder, Georgia. They founded the fire department, bought the first fire engine. I, I saw them take care of people and values really stuck with me. But you know, it's, uh, it was, they made me work. I yeah. learned to work and you yeah. had this amazing life, right? Like, and it's really cool how these people intersect. I'll tell you another interesting family that you've intersected with. One things that most people don't know about you, right? Is that I mean, you're pretty close to the Branson family. Like Richard Branson is a, is a personal friend of yours and you spent some time, you know, significant amount of time at Necker Island in the Strive Foundation. You've done a lot of time and, and know the family pretty well. They know you very well. Talk about that relationship and how that, like your background and all this from a very different life. I mean, from a very different family life of growing up in London. And he's a hardcore entrepreneur who, who comes up from not a lot and works hard to develop it. The Branson family are precious. They want to add value to their community, to their world. And I, I see them put his family around his business and his business around his family. He's taught me a lot to, he taught me a lot just by seeing how he operates and, you know, also with his son and how, how much love he has for his family. He runs over 400 companies from his island. <laughs> and, 400. You know, 400 he owns. The thing is, he's, he's put in place really good people to manage that. And he taught me a lot about how to run a successful life when I went down there and with my kids, with my business and not mess them up, you know, you know, is that's, I think, and my family taught me how not to mess my kids up with hmm. making them work and making them understand what a dollar it is to earn a dollar. Now I'm not perfect in doing that because, you know, once you've, you have a lot, then it's hard to make them see it in a certain way, but I've put them in positions where they see ultra wealth to poverty and I've made them work in my business. I've made them, they've worked as lifeguards. They've, you know, they've worked. So yeah. I, you want to instill those good values and, you know, you want them to be productive children. My, my success with my kids is if I raise kids that feel loved and they're productive and kind, so they're kind to my grandkids and the generations after that and pass those values on because we, I think we create, and, and those patterns pass on, even the bad ones and the good patterns pass yeah. on to the next both, both, right? So I think, you know, as I hear that, you know, one of the things that really stuck probably immediately with the Bransons is your shared values. You know, you have a shared value. You started early, like this was impacting other people. How could I make a difference? How could it be better? You know, that was very important to you. I know that's very important to Richard. Like he doesn't do anything that doesn't have impact, right? And he's very serious about that. So, all right, let's get a couple questions here for you. Like I wanted to 
kind of flip over to, you know, the show's founded on a very specific quote that I loved from the Four Disciplines of Execution, which is a book by Chris McChesney, Sean Covey, who said that winners, when shown data that they are losing, find a way to win. So in that breath, talk to me about a time in your life where you just felt like you were up against it. You know, this organization, the business, whatever you're doing, wasn't going your way. And you're like, oh man, this is not what I was envisioning. This is not what I hoping for. What you had to do to hit that challenge, address that problem, move through it and how it turned out. Talk to me a little bit about that. Let's see. I mean, I can go back to childhood and my teenager years. I know you want the business part of it, but I think the teenager years, what starts it off. Okay. Live with dad at 15. He was yes. really hard to live with. And he wanted to teach me a lesson. So we, I came home when I was 16. I had a boyfriend and I missed curfew a couple of times. And it was barely, but yeah. dad was pretty, he was pretty strict because he did not have children. He didn't know how, you know, didn't have children. So he wasn't, didn't have any leeway there. And I wasn't a bad yeah. child at all. But I come home and my car's packed full of everything I own. And he's like, you're out of here. And I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and I was, and then I was all, all of a sudden I had an attitude. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. I'll go then. <laughs> Bye. So I get in my car and I leave and I go to my best friend's house and spend the night. So I was like, okay, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Well, I had a job. I worked at the veterinary hospital and I, what I did was I went and rented a room and I went and bought a mattress, a slip on the floor. And I went and bought those Michelangelo frozen dinners and I put those in the freezer. And then I went to school. I set up house and I went to school, went to practice, went to my job. And dad was like, she's like sitting in the house. And so at that, that point, fun. that was at that she's point. Supposed, you're supposed to call me at 10 a.m. going, dad, can I just come home? Like this is a. So at that point, dad was like, he took the car away from me. And so my boyfriend at the time didn't like my dad. Dad was, dad didn't know how to, you know, like manage a, a daughter he never had. And so I, he took the car away from me and then he, my boyfriend let me drive his little Ford Courier that had no power steering. So I go to school, go to work, you know, go to practice and go to work. And then dad went to my boss and he was like, Henry, I want you to fire Tanya. And Henry's like, I can't fire her. She's my best employee. Right. And so Henry went and fired me. So my grandmother actually ended up getting mad at me or not mad at me, but mad at my dad. And she was like, you need to get that kid back in there. She's, this is embarrassing, you know? And so he came to me and I remember breaking down and crying because I just wanted to be loved at 16. And I went back into the house and he kicked me out again at 18. And then my basketball coach and librarian, they grabbed me up and they're like, you're coming to live with us. And they kept saying, you know, they told me, they kept, they said it so much. They could kept saying, you were a good kid. I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't, I did not do drugs. And they, they kept saying, you're a good kid. And they said it so many times that I, I started to believe it. And mm. that was the limiting beliefs. I didn't feel lovable because of what mom and dad, but my grandparents, I always had the underlying pillars with my grandparents. Yeah. They pinched me, squeezed me, loved me, you know, were always pinning me down, but that, that affected me growing up. That was a challenge there. That was my probably my biggest challenge in my early years. And then I, I think people go through this. I want to ask you a question about that because, first of all, it's, it's a great foundation that your grandparents, they provided this real firm foundation of love, strength. It sounds like, you know, at that age, you knew, hey, 
if it gets so bad, I can always go to grandma and grandma's, right? Like, you know, but, but, you know, the heart attack changes things, right? Because all of a sudden, I don't know how grandma's doing it all and all these things. So you got a couple challenges, but speak to that for a second for people that grow up in these homes. I mean, I can't, I cannot speak to that, Tanya. And I'm blessed for it, right? That I can't speak to it because I grew up in a house where my mom and dad just loved on us and it was awesome, right? But we also grew up very far away from our grandparents. Like I didn't know my grandparents very well. It was like an annual, well, I shouldn't say I didn't know them very well, but like it was, you know, my, I saw one side like two, three times a year. And then the other one, it was like an annual, right? And like, so we always enjoyed the time, but like, I would never like pick up the phone and call my grandmother or grandfather, right? Like, they would be like, what are you in the hospital or something? You know, they would immediately think emergency, right? But, I had amazing grandparents and, yeah. and I, I never was a victim. That's like a lot of people have that victim mentality. I feel sorry for myself. You know, I've never had the victim mentality. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you about, because like, I do think that carries. I've had things that haven't been great for me, right? And I just haven't had it either. Like, I, I don't, you know, like you and I know each other. We're close. Like, I'm five, six. Like, I was never going to be the center on the basketball team, right? Like, you know, like I had to accept a couple certain things that I'm not the tallest, biggest dude. So I had to work in other ways to make up for that. But I never felt like, you know, I go. I'm screwed. It's not fair because, you know, I'm not as tall as everybody else. Like, well, I'm faster than everybody else. Like, you know, there was other things that I'm trying to make up for it. So I just never had that. But well, I'd like you to speak to a minute because you've learned so much from your parents, from your mom's challenges, from your dad and him trying to do his best, recognizing like he's not actually an all-star at this thing, having been 15 years out of it, right? Like, I get it, but like for those people who were challenged with that, I mean, how important it is to forgive our parents, like, hey, did the best they could with what they had, didn't know. No, I mean, what, what's, I what would you like to have tell people that, that are challenged with someone who really, you know, we, we see it, right? And we honor it because we see it in our friends. Like, they're like, oh man, I wish I had a mom like Amy's mom or like Depeche's mom or like, you know. Raj has got a great dad. Like, you know, we say these things because, man, it'd be pretty cool if I had that, but we don't. What would you say to someone who's in that, in that point right now? Hate the crappy ingredients in many beverages and energy drinks? Rebellious Infusions are the go-to functional beverage. They have five or fewer plant-based organic ingredients. No sugar, no calories, loaded with antioxidants to boost your immune system. And L-thionine for brain health. Rebellious Infusions are available at drinkrebellious.com. Rethink your drink. For 10% off of your next purchase, use the code 99999. If you are a business or organization leader and want expert advice, coaching, and guidance to help you build your team to be the best, then email Trent directly at trent at leadershipity.com or connect with him at Trent M. Clark on LinkedIn.